Well, good morning. It's good to see you again. Uh, I know that uh, this series is probably something I hope that has provoked some internal discussion. Uh, I hope even some external discussion uh, that this is something that maybe you've been, uh, had a chance to have a conversation with someone close to you or maybe a friend or a spouse, uh, maybe just someone, even an acquaintance just in passing in a small group or a life group that you have uh, just to uh, take this to the next level. Like, I've, like we've been saying since the very beginning, this is a series that is supposed to be uh, something that, that creates an atmosphere that outside of this space, you're talking about this, that you're asking this question, and it's something that you're using to kind of reevaluate some things and to ask it. Because what we really have learned is that lurking in the shadows of what we want is something different. And that's the first thing I wanted to just remind you of. Lurking in the shadows of what we want is what we value. And, and that really is what this series is all about. It's, it's not necessarily what we want that leads us to what we really want. In fact, most of the time that distracts us. That distracts us from what's really important. We said it this way, uh, what we, what we, never, we will never get what we really want until we discover what we really value, what we really value. And last week, uh, we really talked about this, what you value isn't natural. It's just not natural. And so as we're trying to discover what we value, we have to remember that everything that's natural, that naturally we lean towards, it's not most valuable most of the time. In fact, it's not often. And so for us, I know for a lot of us, uh, those types of things are great and they're, they're, they're compass, you know, course corrections and they're, they're good for our heart to remind us. But, but really at the heart of the series is today. Uh, because today I want to kind of turn the corner and I really want to ask that question. What, what do you really want? Because Paul said it like this, though it's not natural for us to find what's valuable, most of the time our life do what I don't want to do, right? It's in Romans. It says this, Romans chapter 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I do, I do not want to do. And what I hate, I do. All right? And, and for most of us, like the compass course corrections, understanding this concept, understanding what you really want is lurking behind what you want today and getting that is great. But then this is the verse that most of us go home and go, but yeah, but this. Like, what about that? <laughs> I get it. But now what? And so uh, for a lot of us, I think today is the moment where we have to kind of take a step back. And we have to remind ourselves that there is there's something lurking deeper inside this conversation that is going to take some time. It's going to take some intentionality from each of us to discover. And, and if you're not a Christ follower, if you haven't decided 100% you're in, you just kind of, your spouse drug you, your friend drug you, you just got here because they said they're going to have bacon cheeseburgers and you're in. I, I get it. And I'm fine with that. I really am. In fact, I'm glad you're here. And I hope today this is something that you're using. You don't have to put Jesus in it yet, but I really hope you're evaluating too. What do you really want? Because that doesn't even have to be a Jesus statement. That could just be about what you want for your life. Right? That can just be your own standards. That sentence still works. So most of us today, let's start with 
I think one of my favorite, but also one of the most challenging exercises. I've heard this, I've heard this done so many times. Most recently, I heard it referenced in Seven Habits for Highly Effective People or Highly Effective Leaders. I heard this was quoted in there, but I've heard it my entire life. And it's this, and it's an exercise that can be a little challenging and overwhelming, but I, I, I want, like I said, we've been leading to this place. And for some of you, this is going to hit home because of the recent events in our lives and the, and the recent events of our town and the recent things that have happened. It's the funeral exercise. It's the funeral exercise. And, and this, this, at first you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what is this? You know, practice. Yeah, yes, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. And the exercise is this, that when, when you, if it was possible, if you could be at your own funeral and you could be a fly on the wall or up in the rafters listening in, what would you want people to say about your life? What would you want people to express and to say about your life? Because here's what ends up happening most of the time. We, we, we chase after what we want, right? After what we want. And so we get the car, we get the house, we get the certain things that we're chasing after, the job, the promotion, the success. And then in the funeral, like, what do we talk about? What do we talk about? Like, I, I, all right, I've been to a few funerals, right? Some of you have too. I have never been to a funeral where they just rolled that 1969 Corvette out, you know? And they put it next to the casket. And they just said, this was his whole world. This was it. This was everything. And everybody just starts bawling, right? Like that just doesn't happen. No. What do we talk about at funerals? What do we talk about at funerals? What people valued most and what meant the most to us that they did I love the way that it's phrased who we love and who loved us is all that remains at a funeral if you could and here's where this exercise gets kind of nitty and gritty if you could picture your closest friend sitting down and talking out loud about what they remembered most about you and who you were and what you were about, what would they say? If you could sit down and listen to your spouse speak those words about what they mattered, what, you, what mattered most to you, what they saw in you. If you, could, if you could listen to your kids describe who you were and what you were about and what mattered most to you, what would these people say, the people closest to you? This is where this exercise gets kind of cool. And this is your assignment this week. It's flat out. What would you want them to say? What would you want them to say? 
Because for a lot of us, oh, it's a guessing game. But then, but then if we turn this around and you make it an exercise, all of a sudden it becomes focusing, right? It, it becomes something that takes it from like a, I would hope to a, this is, this is my goal. This is my plan. This is my, this is my whole hope, my real objective, my values that I hope they would see. And what ends up happening is you define failure. You define failure when you do this. When you come up with a list, it may take you a week, it may take you a month to get a right list, but when you come up with a list what you hope what people would see in you, you will define success and you will define failure. And as a Christian, it will look like this. Sin actually became synonymous with failure. That's, that's what happens when you start to do this. When you think about being dishonest, and you think about cutting corners, and you think about, no, if my coworker was sitting at my funeral and they said things about me, the last thing I would want them to do is say, you know what, he always knew how to make a dollar, no matter the cost. She did that because I knew he'd take care of me. And in your mind, you're going, no! I want him to say that man would take risks and he would take risks in the best of ways because he would be honest even when it cost him. Even when it took more time, even when it would be more difficult, he would do the truthful, honest thing. And then that failure is defined. So when you find yourself being dishonest, then all of a sudden you're like, wait, Wait, my value, my value is honesty. That's who I am. That's who I am called to be. That's who I want to be. And it becomes to define you. Think about this in every area of your life. Think about some of the things with your kids. Patience, let's just go to an easy one. That was supposed to be a joke. It ain't no easy. You have a three-year-old, all right? I've been at a funeral. I've just heard people say she was the most patient woman I've ever met. I've never heard her get cross with someone. She just kind and patient. And I want to go, that will never be said at my funeral. It just never will. But it's crazy when someone holds that up and is able to do that. How no matter how many times, I mean, my wife said it just the other night, I want to change my name because my kids just, mom, 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 Like, yeah, good. My name's not mom. Good luck. And then they get teenagers. I need $5. I need $10. I need you to pick me up here. I need you to go there. I don't feel good. I forgot this. I forgot that. Hey, Jimmy wants to come over. Hey, I didn't clean this. Hey, I need that. Right? By the end of it, you're just like, that! Look into my eyes. Woo! Right? And it doesn't get any better when you're an adult. We just learn how to be different. You ever picked up the phone and someone just started talking and you just put it on speaker and set it on the counter and did other things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever picked up the phone and went, oh. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. 
These values have to be something that reach down deep. If you are willing to do this exercise, if you're willing to write down three or four people, positions, influences that you have, and you say, this is who I am striving to be because this is what I want them to see in me. You will define success and you will define failure. And it'll be something that won't be maybe in the moment what you want, but it'll be something lurking behind it that you really want, that you've defined. That you've defined it. To get what you really want, you must discover what you really value. To get what you really want, you must discover what you really value. You may not value patience. You may not value honesty. <laughs> you may not. Some of you in here are like, look, white lies don't matter. Right? Sometimes honesty is not the first priority, right? Or is it? I should never be weaponized. Let me just be that. <laughs> All right? Honesty is not meant to be a weapon. Yeah, I'll just be an honest. Yeah, it's a great way. But here, in it, this is the centerpiece of the series. If you hear nothing else like that, this is what is at the center of what you really want. This is it. Now, here's the crazy thing, and this is the turn. And for most of us in this room, we are Christians. And so when I say this statement, we have a different filter that we take things in because we don't just get to filter things by what we want or by what we really want. We have to ask a question. What does God want? Right? What does God really want from me? We have to ask that question. And I, I want to say it in a way that I think is better, because if he's offering full life and we're stepping into his full life, then we have to say it like this. What does God really want for me? What does God really want for me? What does he have waiting if he has something there, what does he really want for us? And here's the turn. And if you're a Christian, I hope you're paying attention because for me, this snuck up on me. And this is, this is why I think this is so healthy to do. That does not say, what does God want from us? This is an obedience class. It does not say, what does God want from us? It doesn't say that. It says, for us. He has something for you. The easiest way to think about this is if you've ever been around a small child, parent, uncle, aunt, babysitter, all right? Do you go into the situation saying, what do you got for me? What do you got? you imagine a newborn coming out and the parent's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's my side of the relationship? What do you got? No, 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 no. Don't be whining to me. Don't be crying. Huh? Knock that off. What do you got? Can you imagine a parent doing that? Think about it. You're, you're 15-year-old, all right? Da, 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 da. Stop it. What are you getting me? What do you got? Don't. Stop whining. I don't even get any money. You don't have a job yet. Shush. What do you got for me? We would never do that. God is our father. 
He does not need something from you. He wants something for you and for me. He wants something for us. And if you're not a Christian, I hope you lean in right now. Because I, I think this is the place where like, we get this confused. We, we, we see hypocrites around us that are Christians, and you're like, look, you guys are screwed up. I don't get it. And it's because this is what we're trying to do. We're just trying to, to, to discover what God has for us. We are not trying to get pretty because we're not trying to get something from God. God has something to offer us. And if you've been around the church at any length, I'm going to read a passage for you out of Galatians. And you have heard this, but I want you, I want you to hear this with the idea that you are not doing something for God. I want you to hear this as God is offering something for you. I want you to hear it that way. Because that's what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. This is what it says. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Let's just pause there before we get to the rest of the list. What if? What if we're not supposed to prove our allegiance with these things, but it's an offering of God for us as values. What if these are a thing that God is saying, look, full life, if you really want to know what life looks like, try these. If you really want to know what's best, what looks, works, and tastes the fullest, what actual kingdom living looks like, this is what it looks like. Imagine going into your workplace with so much love, with so much love that it overwhelms the circumstances. The personal tragedy, the hardship, the extra grace required people, but you actually are able to sift through the, the wreckage and find the heart of the matter. What if you walked in with so much joy each day that the depression of whatever political or environmental or economic tragedy has struck or is causing tension, but you just went in there with a joy that comes from somewhere else that is not touched by momentary things? What if you just had a peace about yourself that no matter what economic state you're currently at, your bank account, no matter your status relationally wise, no matter how many friends or no friends you have, no matter where you're at on the course of success defined by this world, you just had a peace that came in and gave you confidence. I think so easily we read this and we think we're supposed to offer this to God. Like, this is a sign that we're making it if we do all these things. And in fact, I think God the whole time is going, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I would love for you to experience this. I think this is absolutely the full life you need to walk in. I think this is absolutely what you should chase after. But don't think you're doing it because I need this. But I want this for you. Because this is what you really what? Forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Against such thing, I love that little line there. Against such thing, there is no law. No one's ever going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Too kind. Knock it off. You know what we say when they're too kind? 
around here we just justify this way. Oh, they're just soft. No, no, no. They're just, they're just being so kind. You can't even fathom it. And I love how he finishes this just short little couple verses at the end of chapter 5. This is what he says about, he goes back and references the desires that we have. Those who belong to Christ just have been crucified with the flesh. What comes naturally, we have to die to that. It's been crucified. That is tortured, ripped out of, absolutely <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears pulled out of you. The passions and desires that you have that come naturally. That does not sound fun, but I know this. My wants talk a big game, but offer little benefit. But what I really want may cost me everything, but lead to eternity. For those of us that have walked with Jesus for a little while, that list right there, that's been something I, I, I've heard but I've never heard it in that way. That every morning, that's something that I could go and I could pray and I could ask God, offer this to me again. Instill this in my life. Reveal what this would look like for me to really want this. Not to do what comes naturally, not to do what, what feels right in the moment, but actually pursue to desire this thing. And to hear God's voice, not as something as demands on high, but a person we're walking with, because that's the very next verse. That we would walk with the Spirit. <laughs> and since we have the Spirit, let us keep in step. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying each other. Like a relationship than a demand from somebody on high. That to me sounds more like someone that's willing to come and to offer something daily, step by step. Teaching, guiding, revealing. That to me sounds like even when we get it, we sometimes jack it up. And so we need to be reminded that just because we have peace and joy, and love doesn't mean we get to hoard it or pretend like it's greater than other people around us. But we have to learn to walk daily, step in step with the Spirit. What if lurking behind what you want is what you value? When you discover those values, what if you'll discover what you really want? And what if you really want, and those values are actually a lot closer to what God's been offering you or God wants to offer you this whole time? I think for most of us in here, what we'll discover, if you do that exercise, what God wants, what God really wants for your life and what you really want for your life, they are a lot closer than you think. A lot closer than you think. What do you want? 
What do you want? And I hope this question come with an easy answer. I hope this is something that, that makes you go, I don't know if I should even get what I want until I discover what I really want. And I'm only going to discover that if I know what I value. The last thing I want to share with you today is this. When you discover what you really value, you will be less prone to settle. Less prone to settle for what you merely want. When you discover what you really value, you won't trade it for some mere momentary, short-sighted, small thing. You'll, you'll wait. You'll be kind. You'll be gentle. You, you will love. You'll have peace. If we could get that and use that. Because I know this, guys. First week I said it. All regrets start with I wants. All regrets start with I wants. And if we could just learn to do this, how many regrets, how many regrets could we just put an end to? How, how many things could we just squash right now? How many things could we change? How many relationships would be salvaged? How many things would even be restored to this day if we could discover what we really value and not trade it for what we merely want right now? God does not want something from you. He wants something for you. And it's the same thing you really want. Pray with me.